Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. So, so honored to be with you in church today. This is not an event. This is a gathering of God's people. This is the time we get to come together out of all that the week has been, the good and bad and the ugly of the week. We come to enjoy Jesus. We come to enjoy each other. And I'm really, really thrilled that you're with us today um, as we now turn our attention to the Word of God. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We are jumping back into a series that's called Details, How Jesus Wants Us to Live. We're walking verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. We began this at the beginning of the new school year. And as that school year came along, we did several weeks in it. This is actually part seven today. And what we're going to do throughout the year, going through all the way, verse by verse, through Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7, um, we're going to spend a few weeks in it, and then we'll bounce out a little bit. We were here for the last two weeks doing some investment in family relationships. Now we'll be back in the Sermon on the Mount all the way uh, for the next several weeks until we get to our Christmas series uh, that'll be coming after Thanksgiving. So this morning we're diving back in. And let me set the scene for you one more time since it's been a few weeks. I'm going to remind you of, of what the Sermon on the Mount really is. Jesus, there on the seashore of the Sea of Galilee, went up on the side of the mountain. And there he gathered to himself those who already believed in him. We're pretty sure it was more than just the 12. It was the group of people who was already bought in, already convinced. They had already left everything. They were already decided in their hearts that this is the promised one. This is the son of God. And I want to follow him with my life. Wherever he's going, I want to go. Whatever he's about, I'm in. And they were crowding in close. And so get that picture. Up on the, 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 the mountain, on the, it's looking down over the Sea of Galilee, sitting among the rocks, Jesus there teaching, and the people gathered all around him, listening intently. In the Sermon on the Mount, you have lots of helpful teaching from Jesus because he's not hiding his desires from us. He gets very practical in this series. We've talked about mourning. We've talk, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about sexuality. We're going to talk about greed. We're going to talk about all the difficulty that comes in, in terms of loving your enemies and all kinds of things in this. He's going to get down into the nitty gritty and it is a challenging series. For over and over again, you're going to have this reaction in your soul where you think, I hear the call of Jesus. I hear what he's teaching, but I'm so weak. I'm so inconsistent. I take two steps forward and, and three steps back. And you know what it is. In some seasons of your life, it's two steps forward and 14 steps back. Anybody with me? And so some of these teaching moments we're going to hear, I can't, I can't, I can't. Oh my gosh, Jesus, I hear the standard. I hear the call and the invitation. And you're describing, you're telling us, you're giving us the details of how you want us to live. And I, I can't. And that fits right in with the heart of this teaching. Where Jesus is looking each of us in the eye this morning and he's saying, you're at a place where you're saying you can't? Great. That's right where I need you to be. Because if you'll live your life saying, I can't, but you can through me, that's where you need to be. 
So that's the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to dive in today, part seven, and we're looking this morning at Matthew chapter five, verse nine. It should come up on your screen this morning, but hopefully you've got a copy of the scriptures. And by the way, if you don't own a copy of the scriptures that's easy to read, we would love to give you one as our gift to you. We keep extras on hand for that. Stop by the Starting Point Center in the lobby on your way out. Say, hey, can I have one of the Bibles? You don't have to sign anything or fill out anything. We would just love to bless you. We want to make sure everybody has a Bible who wants one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We're still in that succession of what's called the Beatitudes, the blessed statements. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Let's break that down just a little bit. That first word, blessed, is this idea of, of Jesus saying, congratulations. It must really be good to be you. You are right where God wants you. So if you're thinking, I want to be a peacemaker, then Jesus is saying, congratulations, awesome, blessed are you. You are right where you need to be. If the posture of your life is to go into conflict and create peace, to create peace where peace doesn't exist, then that is right where you want. Oh man, it's really good to be you. That's where you are. That's a, that's a great place to be. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are you. Blessed are the peacemakers. That word peacemaker, let's un- unpack that just a little bit. Peacemaking is pretty self-explanatory. There's no deep, dark, secret meaning to this word. Peacemaking is literally those who work to create peace where it doesn't already exist. That's what a peacemaker is. Those who work to create peace where it doesn't already exist. Conflicts come in different sizes. Conflicts come when you have little kids and you're negotiating with them about what shirt they're going to wear to school that day. And sometimes kids have their favorite shirt. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And they want to wear the shirt for the fourth day in a row. So you're negotiating, and there's a little bit of a shirt conflict. Sometimes you'll have a teenager who wants to wear something, and you're thinking, you're not leaving the house in that. Conflict takes on a little bit of a different edge. Sometimes you have conflict at work with that coworker who you're not even sure why, but they just push your buttons. Sometimes just looking at them pushes your buttons. You already know how the conversation is going to go. Conflict comes small, medium, and large, and it becomes battle. It becomes threats of legal action. It becomes threats of divorce. It becomes threats of cutting you off. It becomes really harsh and ugly, and then it, then it goes bigger than that. There's conflicts between nations where those two nations will be in conflict with each other and they will assemble their young men and young women to take up arms and go at each other in the conflicts to the death. And Jesus says, I'm looking for peacemakers. If, if you want to know what I value, what I elevate, what I esteem, I esteem peacemakers. Blessed are those who are trying, working, thinking, praying to create peace where it doesn't already exist. Peacemakers wade in, and when nations are at war, governments talk to each other about solutions. They take initiative to stop what is divisive and destructive. In a relationship like a marriage, 
Peacemaking is when each one doesn't wait for the other, but they take initiative and step toward each other to talk about solutions, to solve what is dividing, to solve what is destroying. And it involves some humility. We'll get into some of those things in a little bit. But in general, a peacemaker is those who work to create peace where it doesn't already exist. So that's the blessed part. Congratulations. If that's your mode, if that's your posture, it's really good to be you. You're right where you need to be. Peacemaker. And then what's the children of God part? Because Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be the, called the children of God. The children of God is, is, is the, that their behavior, this, this idea of peacemaking makes people think of your father. When people see that in you, going, oh, that looks like God. They'll be called the children of God. Making peace doesn't save you. Only faith in Jesus gives you forgiveness of sins. You don't get to become a child of God by being a peace-loving person. But you'll be called a child of God. Look at that behavior in their life. That's godly. Look at that behavior in their life taking enemies and trying to bring peace. That's godly. Look at that over there where their pride is wounded, but they humble themselves and they step toward and they give grace instead of vengeance. That looks like God. This behavior at work in your life will make people think of your father. When you're a peacemaker, you're acting just like him. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. What does it look like for us then as Christians, those who already believe in Jesus, just like we're there on the mountainside over the Sea of Galilee, leaning in, listening intently to Jesus as he gives us the details on how he wants us to live. How do you and I then live as peacemakers in the little conflicts all the way up to the biggest conflicts there could be? First of all, I want us to talk just a little bit about two kinds of peace. Number one, peace with God. It's absolutely important at this moment that we talk about that God is our example for peacemaking. Because when we were helpless and all we deserved was condemnation, God stepped toward us in kindness and in grace, and he gave his only son, Jesus, to make a way that you and I might be forgiven and might have a relationship with God both now and for all eternity. Hallelujah. God is our way maker. God is our example peacemaker. God didn't look at you and say, figure it out. Figure out a way to get to heaven. Figure out a way to clean up your own life. God didn't look at us and leave us helpless. God didn't see the conflict. The Bible says that formerly we were enemies of God. But God is our example, and he took the steps to make peace with him a possibility. Look at a couple of scripture verses here with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And to be absolutely crystal clear this morning, because it would be unloving not to be clear. Those who have believed in Jesus have had all of their sins forgiven. And they have no fear of death because because they believe in Christ, they have the promise of eternal life in heaven and no fear to stand before God one day. 
if you've believed in Christ, if you've put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who haven't put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who haven't believed in Jesus, they have not had their sins forgiven, and they probably should fear death because when they stand before God, the guilt of their sins, the debt of their sin will still be hanging over them, and what they will receive is eternal punishment from God. And that sounds a little brutal, but that's what the Bible teaches. It's just true that all of us deserve punishment from God because we have sinned. But God gave his son Jesus to die for us on the cross and to pay for all of our guilt and rose again three days later. And if we would believe in him, we are forgiven for all of it. But if we will not believe in him and not follow Jesus as disciple, we are still enemies with God. Since we have been justified by, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the other passage I have for you in Ephesians 2, uh, verses 14 to 16. This describes sort of the repairing of that gap. If you've read the Bible a bunch, you see this sort of gap between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. And as a quick definition, the Jewish people are those who are from the, the line of, of, of the Hebrew people, the, the chosen people of Israel, and then the Gentiles is everybody else. <laughs> and there was a long time that the Jewish people thought, well, they had an exclusive you know, relationship with God, and then Jesus has come to, to bring the Gentile world and the Jewish world together so that we now both have opportunity to know God. And so here's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, for he himself is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who has made the two groups one, Jew and Gentile, and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What's that dividing wall? By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body himself, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. God is our example peacemaker. There was hostility, there was separation, and God gave us Jesus, who he himself is our peace. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have peace with God? I don't mean is all thing kind of quiet inside. But I'm asking, have you had your sins forgiven? Not has your mom or dad believed or your, your sister or your brother believed or your grandparent or your aunt who goes to church all the time. But I'm asking for you, have you come to a point where you've said to God, I get it. I have sinned against you, God, and I know what I deserve, but I'm asking for forgiveness. And thank you for sending Jesus to pay for all of the guilt of my sins. Have you ever done that personally? The biggest peacemaking that needs to happen in this room is not between you and your roommate, but it's between you and your God. It's the one that matters the most. And don't miss, this is why church calls it the gospel. It's good news. You don't have to to remain separated from God. You don't have to remain under the guilt of your sins. You can be new and forgiven and free and you can belong to a family and you can become a son or a daughter of God.
have you made peace with God through Jesus? If not, then do it right now. There's no magic words you have to say, but in your heart, believe genuinely that Jesus is God's son and that Jesus really died for your sins, that God really did raise Jesus up from the dead. And then in your heart, as you believe, choose. I wanna, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna become his disciple. I wanna go where he's going. I wanna learn what he's saying. I wanna live the life he's calling me to live. I wanna be one of his. And if you'll do that, you'll be saved. Not because you cleaned up your act, or not because you did a lot of good deeds to cancel the bad deeds, none of that brings us forgiveness. Only believing, only faith in Jesus. And that's good news. Because before the cross, we had no hope. We had no way, but he made a way. Let's never get tired of talking about the cross, amen? Let's never get over the miracle that God has given us something other than what we deserved. He is our example peacemaker. So do you have peace with God? And then I wanna ask also in this moment about peace with God, do the people in your circle have peace with God? The person who works in the cubicle near you at the office or the person who, who sits two desks over from you in class, do they have peace with God? Because that's their biggest need. Their biggest need in life it's not a good GPA. It's not making a good living or having a great title at work. Their biggest need is to be right with God who made them. And if you're not sure, then get to know them and find out. If you can't say right now, the people around me, people in my family, people at my job, the people in my neighborhood, the people in my classes, I don't know if they have peace with God then get involved and find out. Because it is very, very, very unloving not to share this kind of good news. Second thing about peace this morning is not just peace with God, but peace with each other. Peace with each other because because the Bible is clear. In the church and in our homes, God expects us to be peacemakers. In these human relationships, let me look at some scriptures with you here. In Romans 12, uh, verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's camp out here for just a moment. If it is possible, there are some people that you're in a conflict with and you're going to step into peacemaking and they're going to shut you down. And they're going to say, nope, I am not interested in making up with you. I am not interested in being at peace with you. And, and you can't control their heart. You can't make them come to peace. But the verse says, as far as it depends on you, don't take responsibility for their behavior. Don't take responsibility for their attitude as far as it de depends on you. You take care of you. You worry about you. And you work hard to be clean with God. God, I can say honestly before you that where there was conflict, I have tried to step in and make this right. I didn't ignore it. I was not unkind to them. I was not rude or vengeful. I didn't try to cut them down and 
make them feel small, I literally stepped in and said, something's not right here. I would love to talk about making it better and making it okay. How can we fix this? How can we bridge this gap? As far as it depends on you, if, is it a poss- if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. And peace doesn't happen by accident. Peace is made. Peace is made because conflict loves conflict. It's crazy. But it spins more and more out of control and like a wildfire, it takes on more oxygen and it just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And I actually believe that's one of the reasons why the apostle is so real intent on the churches, the people of God in their little communities of faith in Philippi and Corinth and Rome and all these places where there were believers meeting and gathering and growing. The why the apostle is so intent to say, you've got to make sure that peace is what's winning the day. And conflict is dangerous because it's a little bit of spark. It's just a couple of people mad at each other and three or four other people who are offended. Everybody's offended. And if you're not careful, that little wildfire will become a massive wildfire. It break out and destroy not only people, but the mission of God. Another passage, Romans 14, verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Everybody say edification. edification. Okay, I just tried to wake you up there a little bit. Make sure you're with me this morning. Edification is, is, is a, a version of the word to edify or to lift up or to build up. What you want to do is try to lift up the other person. You want to make them better. You want the good for their life. You want what's best for their life. You are rooting for them. You are behind them, with them. You are for them. To edify them is to to be involved in making their joy deeper. So let us, therefore, make every effort. Man, don't you hate those kind of phrases? Because there's no wiggle room. There's no escape room in that. How many efforts? Every. Well, I tried a little bit. Did you make every effort? No. Make every effort to do what leads to peace. To me, this is a challenge to be involved in forbearance, another beautiful biblical word about patience and long-suffering and being in it for the long haul, meaning that you may step in to try to make peace and peace may not happen right away, but you're going to make every effort to plant the seeds that could lead to peace. You're going to make every effort to be involved in the little conversations that might lead to a longer conversation. You're going to make every effort to do what leads to peace. So you're going to shut down gossip. You're going to refuse to talk bad about the other person. You're going to be careful how you phrase things you tell about other people because you want to make sure that it casts them in the most positive, most edifying light. You want your words about other people to be good for building them up. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no no unwholesome word come out of your mouth except that which is good for building other people up. 
The Bible says, do what leads to peace and mutual edification so that you're both better for it. Peace with each other is a biblical expectation. And in the church, we cannot let the spark of disagreement become the wildfire of division. Because pretty soon you got people mad at each other and then you got camps that form and I'm taking on their side and their side and are you them or you team this or team that and pretty soon you are no longer lifting up hope in Jesus. You're no longer talking about the good news of a way to have peace with God. Now you're in the midst of trying to heal up wounds and it's a mess. So while it's still small, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. These are the words of God. One more passage, Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. You're all part of one body in Christ. You're not better, they're not better. We are all one in the name of Jesus, amen? Hello? Not a single one of us got here by our own good works. We were all people in desperate need of God's forgiveness. Amen? None of us have a clean past. And none of us have all of our junk together. No one here is perfect. As a matter of fact, thinking about a sign a friend of mine was telling me about, putting it out in the, in the lobby that says, no perfect people allowed. That's not who we are. We're all one, and we need God every day. Amen? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And I, this is hard, because some, sometimes what wants to rule in our hearts is payback. And sometimes what wants to rule in our hearts is I want you to feel that I'm annoyed by you. And I want to make you suffer a little bit for what you did or said or didn't do or didn't say. Sometimes pride wants to sit on the throne of our hearts that says, if I try to step forward and make peace, I will look weak. And if you ever have any of those thoughts about looking weak, that is pride. And pride is not your friend. Pride is a terrible leader, a terrible manager, and a terrible king. And if you want to let something rule in your heart, let the peace of Christ. Because let me tell you about the greatest gesture of strength there ever was. It was when God, God gave his son Jesus who existed in the very form of God, but didn't regard equality with God as something to be held on to. But he emptied himself, Philippians tells us. And he took on the form of a what? A servant. Jesus taught us how to get low so that there might be peace. And I just challenge you to let this verse pierce 
and maybe pummel our hearts because some of us, stubbornness rules in our hearts. For some of us, pride rules in our hearts. For some of us, we are, we're still making people pay for something they did or said three weeks ago, three months ago, three years ago, three decades ago. And that venom of resentment is filling up your heart and system. And they may not even live in the same town as you do anymore. Or you may not even see them often, often, but they've got power over you still. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Now connect a couple of these verses that we talked about. Let the peace of Christ rule instead of pride and stubbornness and vengeance. And I'm going to live at peace as far as it depends on me. I'm going to do whatever's possible. So if I've been in conflict and if I've stepped into that moment and they're not willing to make peace, I'm not going to let their stubbornness change the way my heart feels and the way my life goes. I'm going to say I need the peace of Christ to fill up the gap for this unresolved conflict. I'm going to step in, do what I can, but if they won't meet me in the middle, I'm not going to let resentment or bitterness or even discouragement overtake me. These are God's words to us. Let me round out this idea of peace with each other with a few things So this letter A idea here, this is important. It's an establishment about the words of God. In the church and in our homes, we are expected to be peacemakers. Letter B, peacemakers are ready to speak the truth and they are ready to make things right through humility and compromise. Peacemakers are ready to make things right. When you've got two nations going at war at each other and they come and these nations, these governments talk to each other, when that happens, making peace is very different than a surrender. Surrender is one wins, one loses, and it's unconditional. You don't get to make any demands. But making peace is different. What do you need? All right, let me think about that and see if we can give you what you need. All right, well, well what do you need? Well, well, we need this. All right, we're going to see if our government can give that That's what you need. That's what you need? Okay, this is what we need. All right, we got, so we've got to negotiate a little bit more on these things. They're resolving conflict by coming in humility. And this not only happens at the government level, but it's got to happen in your household. It's got to happen in your relationships with your kids, with your siblings, with your friends, with your coaches, and with each other. It's got to happen where with humility and calculated compromise. Calculated compromise means, it doesn't mean that I give more than I need to give but it means I'm willing to give in order to make things right. Just because you're in conflict with somebody doesn't mean that they get to pull you into a relationship where you're now beholden to them. It's humility and compromise, and it's work. It's work. 
And this is just a little aside. This isn't in my notes today, but I feel like the Lord wants me to say this out loud. Resolving conflict and being a peacemaker starts with the words, I'm sorry for blank. Not, I'm sorry if. I'm sorry if you didn't like. I'm sorry if you heard it wrong. I'm sorry if you were offended. I'm sorry if that wasn't the way you wanted it to go. No, no, that's not a true apology. A true apology isn't I'm sorry if. A true apology is I'm sorry for. Let me, let me tell you, let me put words to what I did in my part of this. So a peacemaker is ready to speak the truth and they're ready to make things right through humility and compromise. And friends, we cannot lie to each other in order to maintain a false peace. That is its own kind of small wildfire when there is false peace in the room. How are you? I'm fine and you're not fine. That's lying to each other to maintain a false peace. If you're not fine, find a way to comp- communicate that. Maybe you would just find this sentence helpful. Things are not okay between us, and I want to talk about how to make them okay. Do you see how non-threatening that statement is? Things are not okay between us. That's the truth. Neither one of us is fine about this. But I want to talk about how to make things okay. We don't need to do that in a group. (laughs) We don't need to turn it into some big, crazy, formal, scary legal action. We need to understand that we're human. And sometimes when we're out there doing life together, when we're out on the the dance floor with each other, we're going to bump into each other. And there's a little bit like, I bumped into you, you bumped into me, let's talk about it. Things are not okay between us, and I'd like to talk about how to make them okay. Just something that's the truthful, bringing it out into the light. Because division in the church is costly. It distracts from the mission. It dishonors Jesus, and it gives the world an untrue picture of God. When there's division in the church, it distracts from the mission. If you are worried about avoiding people in the hallways because there's conflict that's unresolved, then you're not thinking about praying for them or yourself or others. If you're worried about telling your side of the story or getting people in the hallway to be in your camp of things and to come along with how your version of the story goes, then you're not at all on your knees saying, when you move in the room, it changes what we see and what we seek. I am on my knees, my heart's wide open before God, very God, and I'm worshiping. No, you're thinking, are they here today? You're thinking... Am I winning? Division distracts from the mission of enjoying Jesus and enjoying each other, of getting the word of hope. Murfreesboro, Tennessee and MTSU needs to know there's hope in Jesus, that God has not left us in our helplessness, but he has sent his son Jesus, invited us to be clean, free, children of God adopted into his family and belonging to a new family and having the promise of heaven. Hello, that's amazing news. And when we are in division and conflict, we are not on mission. 
it also dishonors Jesus. Jesus gave his life for people to be free. And he himself is our peace. And it gives the world a really untrue picture of God. Can we also just agree, just an ugly picture of the church. When there is conflict and battle and gossip and little, little gnawing and grumbling gives the world such a skewed picture of what grace can do to a person and how God really changes hearts. This is why it's essential to speak the truth and to make things right. Let us see. Peace is the absence of conflict, but it doesn't always lead to close friendship. This goes along with the verse we read today about as far as it depends on you, be at peace. And you can be at peace, meaning, look, you don't owe me anything for that, and I don't owe you anything else for that. We are resolved. We've said what needed to be said, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to vacation together. But it also means I don't have an emotional reaction when I see you or think about you. We've resolved the conflict, and there's been peace that has been made between us. Peace has been made but it doesn't always lead to close friendship. Letter D, the last one. There is a difference between a conqueror and a peacemaker. A conqueror is looking to win and to dominate and to come out on top. And a peacemaker is to say, I'd like to listen to you and find out what you need. And I don't know if I can give it, but I'm coming to you to resolve. Everything's not okay with us, but I'd like to talk about how to make it okay. So talk to me. Oh, I didn't even notice that I had done that to you. So I am sorry for what else do you need? But a conqueror comes in and says, I'm not going to look weak. And I'm not going to admit to anything. And I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. The conqueror comes in, I'm going to come in and win. But the peacemaker says, I'm going to humble myself like my Jesus. And I'm going to step into this not knowing whether they're going to reciprocate and be all in for peacemaking. But my God, who has made a way of peace for me, has asked me to be a peacemaker. So I'm going to step in and we'll see where it goes. I challenge you, people of Hope Church, that you would not let anything come between you and other brothers and sisters in Christ in the church and in your home. And I would even go as far to say this, listen carefully, if you are in conflict with another Christian over anything that is temporary, over anything that is something belonging to this world, you need to let it go and seek peace. Because we are not of this world, amen? Can you believe the things that we can get into arguments with each other over that someday are going to just go away? And here we are letting the stuff of earth 
bring us and embroil us into heat and conflict and anger and bitterness and division. Let it go and seek peace. Anything that's not eternal, let it go and seek peace as far as it depends on you. Do the things that lead to peace. Because, this is Matthew 5, 9. Congratulations. When your heart and actions are engaged in making peace out of conflict, you are right where God wants you. You are acting just like him. Blessed are you. Would you pray with me? I'd love for you to bow your head and close your eyes, and let's just kind of have you have a moment with God here for a moment. Would you start by just thanking him for giving Jesus so you could have peace with God? Thank God for that, for the gift of his son who has made peace between you and God through his sacrifice. And then... Would you just make sure in your heart that you really do have peace with God, that you have believed? And if you haven't, then believe in Jesus right now. And maybe you would kind of run through the people in your circle, friends, coworkers, classmates, neighbors, relatives, and you're not sure if they have peace with God. Would you pray for them by name right now? Pray for them by name that they would find peace with God Now, let's kick it up a notch there in your little moment of prayer. Is there a conflict that exists in your world right now that you need to step into and make peace? That's between you and God. But would you talk to him about that right now? Would you pray for that person? Would you pray for your own strength? And then it may be something else. You would, um, you would say, Lord, I don't want stubbornness and pride to rule my heart. I want peace to rule my heart. I want to live the life that Jesus is calling me to. I want to be a peacemaker. So would you pray for victory in that conflict? Would you commit right now before the Lord, just between you and Him, just before you, between you and Him, would you commit to make every effort with your head bowed and eyes closed this morning? If you're in the middle of some kind of conflict at home or at work or somewhere else that needs to be resolved, would you just slip your hand up and then put it back down, just nobody else is looking around. Who else? You're in a conflict right now. Who else? Lots of us in the room. You're just in the middle of conflict, some disagreement, some hurt feelings, some separation, some distance. Anybody else? That's just your story right now. 
Yeah, lots of us this morning. Lord, thanks for being our example. And it's so hard, it's so hard, Lord. We, we, we struggle to humble ourselves, so would you help us do that? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are our peacemaker. We love you. Thanks for this teaching this morning. Thanks for the call of Jesus on our lives. And even in this topic, Lord, we tell you we can't. Oh, my goodness, we can't. But you can. So be strong when we're weak. Amen. Amen.